This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. Good morning. Welcome to Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. Linda Bolton in the studio this morning. We're kicking off another week, and I want to take a moment to remind you that on Thursday, which is Veterans Day, we will rebroadcast the Illinois Broadcasters Association Silver Dome Award nominated program that we did. Robert House and I did uh, Letters from Alma, which is uh, letters home from his wife's Sherry House. Sherry House's sister-in-law's parents wrote to each other all during the war. She kept all those letters and she published them. And uh, we 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 winnowed those down to a 30-minute show. So it's it's old-time radio. Uh, telling the story of Charlie and Alma and their love during World War II. He was in Europe at the front, and uh, we hope you tune in and listen. It's a, it's a pretty special program. So please listen on Thursday. That said, today we are talking about the Child Advocacy Center, a, a project long time coming to Vermilion County, needed badly. And so with us this morning is the director, Brooke Ferber, and... Jonathan, again, your title, you are... Uh, the family advocate. Move up to the mic, sir. <laughs> Jonathan Munoz is here. Um, and so they're going to talk about the, the Advocacy Center, and good morning, and thanks for being here on a Monday morning. Good morning. Good to have you. All right, Brooke, let's do the, let's do the 101. What is the Child Advocacy Center, and what do you do every day? Sure. Uh, we do the forensic interviewing for... Um, severe physical child abuse, uh, child sexual assault, and also witness to violent crime. Um, we work with, close with investigators for DCFS and law enforcement. Um, and we do it in a multidisciplinary approach. So everybody comes together, we do the interview together, and then um, that way that child only has to tell their story one time. And before that, it's uh, so people can understand, because this is something most people never fortunately have to deal with in any way. But in the past, as a rule, something would happen, an incident would occur, be it assault or abuse, whatever, that would traumatically affect that child. When it was brought to the attention of the authorities, there were a whole series of interviews that happened um, all over the place. So, so they, were at the, they were at the public safety building, uh, they were here, they were there, they were telling their story over and over and over again, recreating that trauma, quite frankly. So that's what's different about this. This centers everything um, so the child only has to endure that once yes. or less times. Yes. Okay. So so how are you finding that's making a difference? What are you experiencing now that you're open and you're starting to see clients. I feel that um, coming together in this multidisciplinary approach, um, we can focus on that child a little bit more in the family, uh, do the wraparound services, uh, make sure they have everything they need. You know, from the time of disclosure, uh, when it comes to law enforcement or DCFS, we try to get the interview in within 24, 48 hours. Within two days, we want to get that interview done. Um, and then start providing that advocacy services. What else do they need? Do they need mental health services? Do they need um, help with clothing or 
um, school supplies or whatever, you know, we try to make sure that we are um, assessing their needs and wrapping in that service around. Um, I, and I feel like when they do come into our center, it's, it's child-friendly, it's welcoming, um, it's a neutral environment, um, and, and we focus on that child. I mean, we make sure that they are um, at their you know, most comfortable state, um, and, they, and they usually leave very happy, smiles on their face, things like that. Yeah, and to, to have gone through that kind of trauma, uh, lessening that in any way is so important. And you just had an open house, so let's talk about that. How did that go? It was amazing. I didn't think that so many people would come out and support us. Like there were so many people there and I am so thankful for that. Uh, I want to thank everybody involved and and coming out and supporting us. Um, You know, Jonathan and I do a lot of work um, to make it a welcoming environment and child friendly. And we've, you know, put superheroes on the wall and uh, inspirational messages and things like that. And and to have people come out and, and walk through and just you know, all the encouraging words and all the uh, praise um, just really felt good. So I, I want to thank everybody involved in that. And it was it was amazing. Absolutely. So let's take a minute, Jonathan, and get to know you. Tell us about your background. Where did um, you come from? How did you get to uh, get to this point? Um, I grew up in Georgetown. I graduated there in 2017. Um, I joined the Army National Guard and then um, went to college immediately um, because my college is paid for. Um I went to the University of Illinois, um, studied psychology my first year, and then I took one class of Human Development Family Studies, um, HDFS, and immediately fell in love. And my passion was always working with kids, um, either as a law enforcement officer or DCFS worker in high school. And then um, when I inter- when I graduated in May, um, I started interviewing for preschool teaching. Um, that was my first choice as a career path, and then I interviewed at the CAC here in Vermillion County. Um, and I immediately fell in love with the job title. I immediately fell with the job description and seeing that Brooke made it more as like a team effort to build this up. I felt like I wanted to work here. I found my passion and working close with my high school dream job, which is law enforcement, working with law enforcement and DCFS, um, like collaborate um, training it's just been awesome. I, I really do love as my job as a family advocate. So what is your job as a family advocate? What do you do every day? What does that entail? Um, so my job is to provide the family and child with the resources they need, uh, referrals for mental health, um, mostly just talking with them and getting to know them, building that sense of trust um, within the CAC, um, making the child feel as comfortable as possible, making them laugh, um, trying to make them just feel more comfortable just talking to us. It's not an interrogation. It's more of just them telling us what happened. So when you tell us that you're, you know, you found your passion, which I just admire you so much for, because many of us are really old and still don't know what our passion is or we're so uh, diverted on our passions we can't keep them straight. Um Tell me what that felt like to you. Tell me, tell me what that was like for you to finally. Was it like an aha moment, or <laughs> what was it that told you this is this is really it? Because you really had that bent for law enforcement. And may I say, on behalf of the Danville Police Department, we're sorry we didn't get you. But <laughs> um, what was that? What was that moment like? What was it that? just it sparked like something in my heart. Like I was like, oh, I'm so excited. Like 
um, I needed to take time because I got I got multiple job offers for preschool teaching and other advocacy. Sure. Um, but I immediately just wanted to work here in Vermillion County. I immediately just wanted to be close um, in my community as well. And it just, like you said, it felt like an aha moment, like um, lightning. It just, it felt enlightening to me. Oh, cool. Oh, very, very cool. So, Brooke, um, how many how many are, kids are you seeing now? How How's business? I, I don't mean that disrespectfully, but literally, how's business? Sure. Um, we had our very first interview on July 1st of 2021 this year. Um, and since then, uh, we've had 33 interviews in our center. So um, the need is here. Um, and, I mean, we sometimes, you know, it's not as many as other other times other weeks things like that but um yeah the needs here and what is it mostly is it is it assault is it abuse what is it or is it just a combination of all of those uh it started off as mostly child sexual assault um and then um we've had just a few physical abuse but um mostly child sexual assault that's something that nobody wants to talk about, but we have to face it as a community because it's real yeah. and it's here. And we need to, as a community, say, stop it. We're going to go to break. Be back in just a moment on Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. 1490 WDAN. Welcome back to Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. Linda Bolton in the studio this morning with uh, Brooke Ferber and Jonathan Munoz from the Child Advocacy Center. It's been in operation since July. They just had their grand opening, open house, and uh, it was very successful. They're unfortunately very busy, um, and we have to we have to recognize that as a community. This is a new resource we have, which we have needed. For such a long time, because our our numbers, our incidents of um, of child abuse and child sexual assault, uh, the trauma that we inflict on our kids, not good. So to have this resource is pretty wonderful. And you're located at the health department, right? Yes. Okay. So we were talking uh, to Jonathan about how he got to this point. I want to talk to both of you about the experience of working with these kids, because it's one thing, you know, Jonathan, you talked about being a teacher. And de- teachers have to deal with kids' trauma, too. Unfortunately, much more than ever before. But what's it like to sit there and deal with that when you're talking to a child who has been sexually assaulted or physically abused? How do you maintain your calm and your neutrality um, in talking to that child? How do you do that? It's more of a sense of making them feel like um, someone else, someone else besides the person I told care, um, and making them feel like okay, law enforcement, DCFS also cares for me. Uh, building that sense of trust within all of the team members and the uh, multidisciplinary team um, makes them more cooperative to tell their story. Makes them more comfortable to tell us their tra- a traumatic event. Um, it is stressful to hear what a child goes through. But helping them at a young state can make such a difference. Um, I always feel like I'm not giving that much effort, but many people have told me it's just that little. It's, you may seem like a little, but it may be a lot in the future. So, 
One of the points of the Child Advocacy Center, Brooke, is that the that as Jonathan and I were talking earlier uh, before we went on air, um, you're so focused on the child. That's really all you're focused on. So often in all this trauma, whatever it is, investigators all over the place and, and social workers all over the place and everybody else, uh, and this poor little kid is sitting there in the middle of this with no understanding about what happened to him or her, um, no comprehension really. Um, that's why you're so important because you're actually just focused on that child and what that child experienced and gathering that information to then prosecute or go forward with a case. Is that a fair assessment? Talk to me about that. Yeah. Um because there's a lot of times that child doesn't even know why they're in our center. You know, their parents bring them in there because they were told to or whatever, made an appointment. Um, and they don't know why they're there. So it's a matter of just, you know, letting them know they're not in trouble. Um, they're there, you know, they're not in trouble with us. Um, we um, make them feel comfortable. We give them color sheets. We have lots of toys to play with. Uh, when it's time for the interview, um, we just make conversation, you know, and, and uh, there's a whole process to it, of course, but um, we make conversation and we make sure that they are comfortable through that whole process. Um, and if they want to take a stress toy or uh, slime or something into the interview room to make or stuffed animal, we allow them to do that as well, as long as it's not too much of a distraction. But, um, you know, and then that way, when the child's in the interview, Jonathan's with the family and or I'm with family, depending on who we decide to do the interview and um, and just easing their mind and talking to them and and letting them know the next steps in the process. And, um, you know, it, it's it is about the child. It's mostly about the child. But then we also uh, provide services for family, too, so that, you know, when they leave there, they feel like they have answers and they feel like that they've uh, been supported. Jonathan, you're a new dad. You got a new baby. Um, I would think that dealing with uh, these kinds of traumas every day would challenge you. Um, well, obviously, as a person, any of us as human beings, uh, just the, the horror of the whole thing is, is sometimes overwhelming, I think. So the fact that you folks are willing to sit there and do this and try to help the child um, how is it for you? I know you, you've you had real concerns since you have your own son, yeah. brand new baby, um, to ensure that you don't take that trauma home with you. So I would imagine it's on the one hand, it helps you focus on being a better parent. But on the other hand, you're just, that's a lot to carry hearing those stories. And yeah, it is a lot to carry. Um, I just mostly want to focus on myself and if I focus on myself then I know I'm not bringing that negativity home to my family um it's just it's all about taking care of yourself especially through if you're going to work in this kind of type of field uh, it's all about taking care of yourself not feeling burned out or diminished or beating yourself up and just taking care of yourself I'm always up early in the morning going to the gym just to start my day off in a good position keep yourself straight yeah Brooke, um, this kind of trauma for a child, I guess one of the reasons that I think this is so important is because you're kind of coming into, you can't lessen the trauma, 
but you can maybe lessen some of the impact. I mean, the impact that a child experiences, if you're five or six years old and you're either sexually or physically assaulted or 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 whatever, um, that's something you would carry, you're going to carry with you the rest of your life. So what you do really kind of, it doesn't fix it, but you try to lessen it. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Um, we, you know, we just try to make that child feel comfortable. Um, we get down on their level and we play with them. We uh, remove some of that authority. Um, you know, we may not, uh, we may dress in jeans or, you know, so that they don't feel like, you know, we're not there with a vest and a gun or, um, you know, more of an official. Um, and we do. We try to lessen that as much as we can. We send them home with giveaways and snacks and food and um, and and just, you know, let them know that they're not in trouble there. I mean, this is something that, you know, is going to help them in the future. Um, and then we refer them out. You know, that, that following up with counseling is, is very crucial. Absolutely. We're going to go to break and be back in just a moment to Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. 1490 WDAN. Welcome back to Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. Linda Bolton in the studio this morning with Brooke Ferber and Jonathan Munoz from the Child Advocacy Center. It's now been in operation since July. It is the center point when children are sexually assaulted domestic or sexually assaulted or physically abused facing trauma when there needs to be a police report when there needs to be an interview when a child needs to sit there and retell the trauma that that they went through that they don't even understand themselves and so these folks are uh, the amazing people that step in to make that less horrible experience for those kids so badly needed so grateful that we have them. And Brooke, that said, talk a minute about your funding because funding is always an issue. So how do you get your funding? Sure. We are a nonprofit um, and we do get most of our funding from VOCA, which is uh, Victims of Crime Act and DCFS. Uh, They take care of all of our um, administration and, um, you know, daily operations, rents and all that kind of stuff. Uh, So it's pretty restricted. Like we can only use it on certain things. Uh, We have... um, and do fill out grants for the community and things like that. Um, sometimes those are very focused as well. They want to be on a specific project or, um, you know, something that's going to help the uh, agency go forward. Um, so it's, you know, very restricting. Um, you know, we ha- we are working on a fundraiser. Uh, I don't know when we're going to have it or exactly what we're going to do, but that's something we have been in talks about. We need to we need to get a good fundraiser. Uh, fundraising money is unrestrictive. Um, that's something that we could use on just general purchases that can help better our our agency. Um, so, you know, that be looking for that in the future. We you know we do have a Facebook page, so you can look at uh, look us up on Facebook. Vermillion County Child Advocacy Center. Uh, we do post on there, and we do updates on there as okay. well. And I suppose if somebody was interested in giving you a buck or two, you wouldn't turn that down. That would be unrestricted money that you could use, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and they could just, you know, write a check or whatever, donation cash um, to the Vermillion County Child Advocacy Center, and then that's 200 
uh, South College Street, Suite B, Danville, Illinois, 61832. Do you think we understand as a community how serious this issue is? I mean, I've always found over the years that most people are going about their business and this, this kind of thing they never come in contact with. It never affects them. Fortunately, that's good. But there's a good segment of the community that is affected by it, uh, and this is a recurring issue that goes on and on and on and on in various forms. Do we as a community really understand the impact of something like this, do you think? I don't think so. Um, you know, in sitting in health fairs and, and providing that, you know, display of information to the community, uh, a lot of people avoid the topic. A lot yeah, of people, they're uncomfortable. Yeah, they walk right on by um, or just amazed. They, this isn't happening. This isn't happening in our community. Um, but it's here. And, it, and it's, you know... Um, happening every day in every and, home. And we do have to say it's in every community in this country. It's not just us. This is this Absolutely. is happening in every co- uh, community. We just have this real issue with conflict resolution, with relationships. Uh, I don't I don't I don't know if we're ever going to get out of that. It's it's frightening how we treat each other. It really is. It is. Um but fortunately, we do have resources and we can make it better. Um I just I guess I'm I'm constantly amazed because people really don't know that it exists. Mm-hmm. And I know being on the Survivors Resource Center board for so long, the times that I have told people I've looked knowledgeable, intelligent people in the eyes when they when I say Survivors Resource Center, they don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. And then when I say, well, so, you know, about two-thirds of the clients are under the age of 18, and they just look at me in horror. And it's yeah. like, it happens. This is what's going on out there, and we have to acknowledge that. Sure. But you're right. I think uh, anytime you talk about um, any kind of sexual assault, um, people always think that's sex, and it has nothing to do with sex. It's about power and power and control. That's yeah, power and control, and it's a. I don't know. It's a challenge. So, Jonathan, do you have hope? Do you get down some days when you hear these stories? Um, I do, I do get down because it's some, it's an innocent child. Um, they haven't even seen the next ten years of their life, but now this traumatic event, they're worried that's gonna label them or no one's gonna believe them. Seeing them like kind of just lose trust in us. Um, in the like when they first walk in the center, and then after they just go through the interview and talk to us and making them feel comfortable. Seeing them with a smile gives me hope that we're in the right track, that we're doing the right things. Um, every time I do a survey, um, and I don't want to take away from my multidisciplinary team because they're doing an awesome job, um, but I always, I work with the Child and Family 101, so it's mostly good comments about my job, but also the trust that they, some of them are, the, okay, well, I, I really like the the people in the center so it's just it's also law enforcement dcfs sure uh brooke and me but all the comments have been awesome from the surveys um that we're doing an awesome job and we're not just gonna stay in our this normal protocol that we have or structure we're always willing to adapt uh with new research um i'm a research article guy i I love it um (laughs) I just love reading it. I just, I, I'm very fascinated to see how we can help. I got to tell you, it's just a joy on a Monday morning to talk to somebody that's so excited about what he does every day. That's so important. I thank you. I thank you for your commitment and your passion because you're helping a lot of kids. 
both of you are. Thank you so much for being here. And again, you do have a Facebook page? Yes, for Maine County Child Advocacy Center. And you can go there and get more information. And you can donate if you want to. They'd sure appreciate it. We even have an Amazon Smile account. There you go. There you go. Thank you both for being here. We look forward to talking to you again in the future. Thank Thank you you. so much. All right. Um, So tomorrow we're back on Zoom. We're going to be talking about Festival of Trees because that's just a few days away, people. All those pretty trees, all that excitement. Uh, We're going to have to class up our act, though, I think, because we'll be talking to Judge Mark Goodwin. And his wife, Jana. So I, I don't know if we're classy enough to, to qualify to talk to uh, a judge that early in the morning, but we'll sure try. Uh, but anyway, join us tomorrow, and uh, we will have a conversation about Festival of Trees on Newsmakers, 1490 WDAN. I'm Linda Bolt. Danville's Talk Station, 1490 WDAN Danville, W284DD Danville, and online at vermilioncountyfirst.com. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.